I'm Chris Barker. And I'm Will Betts, and this is the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast, brought to you in partnership with Audient. In this podcast, we speak with producers, musicians, DJs, engineers about their Fantasy Forever studio. The imaginary studio that our guests dream up today will be one that they must live with for all eternity. But even in the world of Studio Foreverdom, we have some rules. Yes, the rules. Our guests will select a computer, a DAW and an audio interface. Those are the free items. Everybody gets those. Then our guests will choose just six other bits of studio kit plus one non-gear related luxury item. But... Yes! No bundles! <laughs> no bundles, exactly. <laughs> Choosing something sold as a package of separate software or hardware as a single item is not allowed. This time we are joined by a British bass music producer who's been a master of reinvention, making a name for herself across grime, garage, bassline house and drum and bass. Yes, our guest has collaborated with Wiley, Swindle and has been prolific releasing her own music, remixes and DJ mixes since 2012. That's right, and since 2019 she's been signed to Hospital Records, but with such a breadth of styles to accommodate, how will she find nailing down a studio in just six items? Well, Will, we are going to find out. This is My Forever Studio with Flavor D. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. No, thanks for joining us. This is great. Um, so you heard some of the rules there. Um, I mean, I did. Yeah. Just trying to make sure I remember the rules. Yeah. <laughs> well, if not, you'll hear the air horn or mm-hmm. vari- various other oh, God. interruptions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> Before we get into sort of building this fantasy studio, let's talk about how, how you got into uh, music production and what were your first steps into making sort of electronic music and, and bass music? Yeah. So I was always quite musical as a child. Um, like, you know, do you remember those battery Casio keyboards? They were like tiny. And so I think I was about six. My mum bought me a Christmas present one day. It was one of those. And I think that really sort of ignited the spark for like my interest in music production and playing keys. And then mm. as the years go by, I just sort of graduated to more better quality synths. Like I'd go to Argos and I'd buy like a hundred pound keyboard and I was like wow this is just huge for me mm-hmm. so um and then fast forward to when I was 16 um I got my first copy of Ableton that was from my my boss at the time actually his name was DJ X rated and he was a producer and I was working in a record shop and that's what he was doing in sort of the office was making beats and I'd be sort of peering in the door like what's going on here like what's the stuff you've got up show me and he didn't teach me it much. He sort of just gave me my own copy to take it home and, you know, have a play with it. So 16 years now I've been using Ableton, self-taught and still going strong. So you started off as like an instrument player. So were you were you like self-taught on keys or did you have like music lessons at schools and it was always sort of keyboard focused and then it led to electronic music or? It was uh, self-taught. So mm. I don't know a single bit of music theory. It's like... If you ask me what key my tune is, I can't tell you. Um, I just sort of just play by ear. I'm very good at just thinking of things in my head and then trying to play what I hear in my head. Mm. That's pretty much how I make 90% of my tunes. Mm. Um, so technology has been a real enabler for you then in yeah. a really good way. It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Tell us about those moments where you thought, I can do this. I can make full tunes. Yeah. You know, because everybody has that moment where... It, they're just not they're not messing around anymore they're actually making yeah. something that they're willing to show other people like tell us about that period well the first sort of stuff I started making with Ableton when I was just sort of finding my way um I was a big hip-hop fan so I used to listen to a lot of Jay Diller like Nas Pete Rock so I, I like to make hip-hop instrumentals 
and because that's what I was into at the time but I had no idea on like structure of a tune I was just sort of freestyling probably looped a, a 32 and it just it was four minutes of the same thing and then when I started making grime music um, I think that was around 2007 that's when I was starting to take it a bit more seriously like you know I was thinking wait tunes have like verses and chorus and outros intro this stuff and I was trying to like study tunes and think how can I go from the loop into an actual full structured song to send it to an mm. MC so that for me was a big learning curve because um, back then you didn't have like YouTube and tutorials explaining this stuff there was none of that it was a lot of like a good four years it's sometimes hard for people to realize like that that is so huge like Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you know, when me and Will were learning, you know, mm. even longer ago, but it was the same thing. And like, you know, yeah. you have to get books or ask friends or yeah. magazines yeah. and like, yeah. That's crazy. Whereas, like, there's an answer for everything now. You can just type it in. I know. So splice. You had, you've got it all now. You spoil it for choice. Mm. I don't even like learn music programs like I used to do now. I'll get a new music program and you'll just wait till you get to that point. I don't know how to do this and then you just google it and yeah then, and then you, do you know what I mean like whereas before you'd read the manual and get to know it yeah, and now it's just like yeah, yeah. I'll just wait I'll wait to find like that kind of wall before I even think about learning <laughs> honestly like I think I've got that so much years of just probably trial and error doing things back to front I mean I still do but I think that is because I'm self-taught mm. um that can be a killer like asset though true I always think I always think honestly like for me personally and i've seen it with other people like a little bit of musical theory knowledge and a little bit can be quite dangerous you can kind of lose your edge yeah because you start questioning your decisions based on is it in the right key or yeah, does, and yeah. it, you, could, you know or whatever or you start thinking about chords when you're not and you're not just thinking about yeah yeah is it good is it good so like minor or major like all these stuff yeah 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 100 percent. and i think you know it can be a distraction yeah yeah i say so i kind of i don't think i would change what i've done because I think it does definitely give me that edge and it's just it's about the vibe of it rather mm. than thinking does it tick those boxes um but yeah I mean I'm the self-taught of everything in my life it's a bit you know I don't know if it's my ADD or what like I get very hyper focused and yeah for four years I was just a hermit in my bedroom I mean thank god my mum gave me the freedom of just letting me do she didn't know what I was doing on this PC she just know that I wouldn't come up my bedroom for about eight hours a day and <laughs> I mean she's glad it, it all it all paid off in the end but yeah I mean I've done like YouTube tutorials of track breakdowns and the comments are just why didn't she do it like that or does she not know there's a shortcut for this and it's like yeah there's a lot of things I do the slow way but it's just the way I know yeah, but I think everybody has those, mm. like, even when you're really trained, like, you yeah. know, people get in, especially in a, a type of music, like most electronic music, you know, working alone, you don't, mm. you don't, you don't even have things to bounce off people or, or yeah. watch how other people do things like, yeah, you know, yeah, like if you're in a band or something, you kind of get shown people know little bits or whatever but when you're just on your own you and then you get so far down the road that you're never going to change. It's like, I'm yeah. not, well, this is the way I do it now. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it works, it works. So. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about the studio vibe. Like, if you could put your studio anywhere in the world mm. and kind of describe to us what it would sort of feel like and be like in terms of decor and vibe. Like, let's 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 start this fantasy studio build. Okay. Well, for me, less is more, and I'm very. I am the most creative when I'm around nature. 
I mean, it would either be on a on a beach in Bali or Joshua Tree in California because I've got sort of attachments to both. I mean, in lockdown, I spent a lot of time in the desert. I had a camper van, so it was me sort of just making music in the middle of nowhere, no one in sight, no Wi-Fi, nothing, just my laptop, my headphones. Um, oh, which desert was this? It was Joshua Tree mm. in California. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's about sort of four-hour drive from... Uh, Los Angeles. Um, so, were you, did you did you get pandemic trapped, or did did you see <laughs> things coming and then go right? I'm I'm off to the desert. No. So I I originally was sort of living in LA. My partner ah. at the time lived in LA. So just before the pandemic hit, I was about to start a US tour. <laughs> mm. Talk about timing. And then yeah. it got cancelled. And then everything started going all wrong. And I said, well, I'm just going to stay here, just ride it out. And then. You couldn't really do much, but thank goodness I had a van so I could drive. Mm. And I thought, well, you know, I can go to the desert. And then that's what I did. And I made a lot of music out just sort of in the wilderness. Nice. Were you just running a laptop then when you were out? Were you just sitting in the van, turned it into your studio or what? What did that look like? Yeah, I did. Wow. I did. So I had a solar panel on the top of my van so I could, I had all my electronics that I could charge. Mm. So for me, that was all I needed. Like as long as I can charge my laptop and power up a monitor or my sub pack it was I was all good to go so yeah I think it would be the desert did you have physical monitors because yeah I did all right so they would run off the power of the van yeah it was amazing (laughs) I had like uh one of these Adam A3X things and I didn't I was actually actually surprised at how much I could power in this van Mm, it was and I, I even had this pink light behind me this was all powered up I've I've got photos of it it was wicked I thought I thought they would run off like like the cigarette lighter style power, you know, like twelve volt, yeah, like uh, canal boats do. I DJed on a ca- <laughs> the old I DJed way. on a canal boat once and got there, and everything had to run off twelve volts. So if you turned it up slightly, the whole boat would shut down. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, I, I had some proper like big solar panel on the top, nice. some heavy ones. So yeah, it was good. And do you do you still have that van? I guess not. Now Are you in the UK? I don't. No. No, it's a sore subject. So eventually, you know, when things opened up again, I'm back here in England. So I'm here full time living, living here. And I just didn't have the use for my van, you know, playing storage. And I mean, I miss it, but I'm just grateful that I had an amazing couple of years with it. Yeah. And it got me through lockdown. So, yeah, yeah, it's got a special place in my heart. And uh, any of the songs that you made there out or coming out? uh... Yeah. Uh, so I did a track. I mean, a lot of my early DMB, like I've got a song called "All We Ever Do," mm-hmm. uh, that came on Hospital Records. A majority of that was made in the van. Um, I've got an EP on Hospital called "Desert Lights." Ah, uh, okay. And it's called "Desert Lights" because it was pretty much made mostly in the desert. And "Desert Lights" just reminds me of the the evenings with all the stars above me. So, yeah, all that was made in there. Um, I think they were the main tunes. I've got a couple bits here and there, but they're the most prominent ones that stand out for me. That's still pretty productive, though, isn't it? That's yeah. Nice. Yeah. So are we thinking um, desert or Bali? And what what's the kind of vibe then? I mean, are we having some luxury studio van? Or are we having a permanent place? Like, you know, kind of... I mean, okay, if I'm talking more present, my dream, I think it would be yeah. the beach on Bali because... Okay. Okay. Because January, I went to Bali for the first time and I had just this 
cliche story who who doesn't go to Bali and have an awakening but (laughs) (laughs) I know in touch with my spiritual sense but I think I would just be sat cross-legged on the beach just you know my my laptop obviously um and just the sunset in front of me that is always my sort of dream visual for me to make music Mm. so we think in a studio with maybe the monitors here but like a big window behind where you can see the sunset yeah yeah okay yeah definitely okay and what how do you like your studios on the inside like you said less is more so quite minimal um Mm. um i mean i need my mood lighting that's really important for me Mm -hmm. okay mood lighting i mean himalayan salt lamp that is Okay. I've got to have one of those. Um, We're getting there now. These are the kind of details we love. Mm. Keep yes. going. <laughs> I need like my pinks. I need my orange lights. I'm basically, it's like I'm recreating a sunset with my okay. mood lighting. Uh, okay. Probably why I just love the Bali sunset. Mm. Yeah. So things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm in my studio now, but it's funny. I don't make a lot of my music in this room because sometimes I get overwhelmed with clutter. There's too much in my view. So yeah. I just... I, I I kind of get like claustrophobic. But and, and what are you thinking of style wise? Is it like some shack on the beach in Bali, or is it some kind of villa? It's more like um like a shack, I'd say, with okay. with white interior on the inside. That way, I can get the most out of my mood lights. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. you know, okay. if you've got black wall and a sunset lamp. It's just you're not going to see it. Mm. Tried and tested. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what the the a minimal room where it is just. Like my desk has to be, there's nothing on it, just my laptop, nothing around me, nothing on the walls, just my lighting. So I have the space to think and then just the view. Okay. So very, very simplistic for me. Well, uh, on that note, let's move on to the computer, the audio interface and the DAW. Now, these are the three free items that everybody gets. Yep. Um, so talk us through that. You keep mentioning laptop. Are we Are we still thinking laptop or would you go for some mega you know fantasy studio here we can we can upsell some dreams can't we will we certainly <laughs> oh oh gosh the pressure to aim high um <laughs> it would be my macbook pro okay because it's portable could take it anywhere and it's just what i know um and ableton as my door yep mm-hmm. till i die i mean that's all i've ever used i've tried other things but it's just for me it's i just know it like the back of my hand yeah um, sound card interface, it would be probably UAD Apollo Twin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. you know, just kind of like a stand. Do you want to upsell to some monster UAD? Well, I would have, if I could, obviously I'd pick the best of the best. Well, there, there you go. go. You um, can. This is the Fantasy Forever Studio. Pick the best of the best. I just do like the UAD. I do. I, I just, I'm, maybe I'm a creature of habit. I suppose though, actually, if you if you're going for a laptop and you know you like to sit on the beach and move around, mm. you might want the twin or something a bit more portable. Yeah. So you can break out of the the room occasionally. That is all about me, what I can do, and just portable because I I move places and. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Will, what do you reckon? I think that's a reasonable choice. It's uh, okay. It's okay. A very solid okay. interface. Right. There. <laughs> well, then that brings us onto the most more challenging studio items with item number one of your actual kit now so all you've got so far is your 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 shack in bali and your uad your mac and ableton so you need whatever else you need all right in these in these items okay so one thing i've always wanted is um a sub fatty the 
you know, the Moog. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've no, I haven't, I haven't had the chance to actually like touch one and play with one yet. It's like everyone says to me they're so sick for creating bass lines, and mm. a lot of people I look up to, like Chris Lorenzo, swears by them, and same DJ Q. I would love to have one of those. And I mean, there's an easy upsell there, isn't there? Will? Oh. <laughs> Do you want the sub th- the subsequent thirty seven, which is the latest, or are you thinking even bigger, Chris? I was thinking the Moog One. Surely the Moog One can do those subsequent tones. Mm. That's a, what is it? A ten thousand pound Moog? It's a ten thousand pound Moog. Yeah. Wow, really? It's a polysynth as well. It's a polyphonic, so it has a all of the sounds of the sub um, fatty. But is it times eight or sixteen? I can't remember. I think it's 16, isn't mm. it? Anyway. What do you think? Yes. We we will go off on nerdy tangents yeah, like that, so bear with us. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm learning I'm learning along with you, so it's all good. But, you know, if you've dreamt of the sub fatty, that's not bad. Well, yeah, I'm very enthusiastic to, like, get one. The sub, the subsequent one is it's a bit more one knob per function rather than the sub fatty, right? Yes, there's more knobs on the subsequent 37. The sub fatty is, there's a bit more menu work with that one but similar sounds i think they're the same sound engine i'm sort of like how why don't i know about this i need this um yeah you guys are selling it to me though (laughs) yeah so we're thinking yeah basically this the subsequent is the just the new version of the sub fat isn't it will so you want the latest one oh yeah yeah you can get anything in the forever studio whatever you want is yours so if you want to get sub fatty that's complete man any anything i wanted damn it i should have really (laughs) <laughs> done a bit more research damn it um you know there's these things that it's not very adventurous but even like you know the profit um there's certain things that a lot of people have got i haven't actually just tried yet mm. you know like in terms of like hardware stuff i've just used everything mostly virtual vst so what are those vsts then that you've loved the sound of because we can maybe we can look at getting some of those well i mean um what what do i use a lot that i haven't actually physically played on it's like the m1 um mm. you know just always my go-to for the classic organ yeah i mean yeah. you know who doesn't love that um pianos as well on the m1 yeah yeah classic yeah. just get that classic house piano um and people still say like the vst is very close but it's you just can't get it to sound like the actual you know i mean what do you think yeah i think it's just the adda because the it's M1's like a digital synth, isn't it? I think I thought it was like, didn't it have like a little bit of sampling in it? Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, like it has small samples to that. That then they, you know, they loop and they synthesize. But it's not like wavetable or whatever. It's, but it's um, what I mean is it's just a digital. So the the, the VST should be pretty bang on, but it's just. It's probably the outputs of the physical synth that make it sound good as uh, a as analog rather than the actual engine. So maybe if oh, you had, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm staring at Will on Zoom hard like. <laughs> uh, no, this, uh, yeah, that sounds. I don't actually know what the uh, ADDA is on the M1. I'll have to do some digging. But would you go for an M1 then? The the real thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Eh? Well, yeah. I mean, we, we're we're on to two items there. So, I mean, do you want to lock in the Moog? Yes. Subsequent thirty. Yes. You lock it. Lock in the Moog, and we're going to lock in our item number two. Okay. We're locking in the M1. Yes. Yep. Just wow, okay. for my ga- 
come on like UK garage we're racing through yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> okay you got into drum and bass relatively recently yeah. compared to some of the other yeah, genres can yeah. you tell us about that transition then from from the other genres into drum and bass because I know that some producers find that there's that transition can be difficult because it's yeah. so technical how did you find that oh absolutely um it's I don't know why I didn't make drum and bass earlier than I did um I think because I was so occupied with like garage and house and mm. and those other stuff and just being so busy so how did it happen um I just started sort of for fun at home making a few like jungle loops I think I just downloaded some sample packs and then I was like oh actually you know what let me just try some stuff and then one day um, I was at a festival sharing an artist uh, transport van so in this van was London Electricity so if, if you're yeah big up Tony I mean yeah. I being such a fan of hospital records I was sort of a bit like, oh my God, it's Tony from Hospital Records. Like, should I say hi? Because he was going to a different stage to the one I was playing. So it was only like a 15 minute van journey. And I remember texting my friend at the time, like, should I like pitch my DMV ideas? And I was, I'm quite shy like that sometimes. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to say, hey, like, I'm Flavid E. Can I send you some DMV ideas that I've started? I mean, I don't know if they're any good. Because he's, isn't he head of A&R as well at? Uh, yeah. Hospital as well as me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he right. was yeah. back then, and yes. he was so lovely and welcoming. And he said, "Absolutely, like here's my email. Send me some stuff." And then the next week, uh, I did that, and one of the tunes that I sent over was uh, called "Return to Me," and that ended up being my debut DMB release, like ever. Hmm. And it was, um, wow. I think, he was expecting me to send like "Jump Up" or something because of you know the name Flavor D being associated with bass. So when I sent mm. him like a really melodic liquid piece, I think he was like, okay, like now I'm interested. And he was like, send me more. Then eventually that's what led to being signed. Nice. Super cool. But like, yeah. So learning drum and bass coming from the other genres that I'm usually known for, it is, I'm still to this day trying to like get my mix downs where I want them to be. It's like sonically complete like rewiring your brain and it's really fun and it's it's levels me up so much as a producer but it's like is it's like going to university almost it's like re-studying the kick and the bass the frequencies and making them compatible it's like mm. insane but it's like so fun at the same time yeah because of the tempo difference as well there's mm. not a, not as much room is there like between yeah. notes and things so like you can yeah. you can end up with quite blurry muddy mixes if you're yeah. not careful yeah. house is quite forgiving once you're at that tempo isn't it because <laughs> yeah yeah and it's, uh, yeah it's like um you realize how forgiving it is even with like garage you know i Garage is even more forgiving though, because yeah, of the, yeah, it doesn't even have a kick on every every one, so it's you like you can get away with a lot and with yeah. D&B, it's very much people pay attention to that stuff. Like you can have a great idea, but if it doesn't bang in the club and stand up next to these other productions that you're playing, it just, you know, it feels so flat and it, you need that punch. And D&B has a huge audience of nerds as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. In like, in yeah. like a good way, you know, but like a lot of <laughs> producers are dmb you know the audience of oh, dmb yeah. concerts a lot of them are, make, yeah. are djs making more so than say like a disco house crowd or something like that maybe yeah i feel i feel like in my experience anyway you get a lot more chin scratching at drum and bass gigs 100 percent. like people analyze like 
your snare. And I feel like <laughs> in house music, no one's saying like, oh, it's a shit hat, you know? <laughs> well, maybe they are, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like that tune if it wasn't for that snare. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> Item number three. Hmm. Um, I, I like the, you know, the... I hope I pronounce this right. The Waldorf Quantum mm. MK2. Uh, am I saying that one right? I'm terrible yeah, at yeah. pronouncing things correct, but that is it's quite a beast. Um, and everyone I know talks highly of that. I haven't had a chance to go all through it, but you know, I've dabbled. What you know attracted you to the Waldorf, and what kind of things do you think you'll use it for? Like, even if it's hypothetically, you know, because you know you don't have one. It's... Yeah, I well. Visually, I just love the look of it. It's very like beefy. Anything that's sort of, you know, all, all the the knobs and the, and a huge bank of something like that. I mean, naturally, mm. I just love that. I I love my pads as well. Right. So I I would use that a lot for my melodies, keys, pads, um, all that spacey sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I love yeah. that. A bit like you know, like Omnisphere, that sort of really yeah. rich that, sounding. That makes sense. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So we're stacking up the hardware here quite fast. Uh, I will point out that you, you don't have any speakers yet. Oh my god! Right, yeah. <laughs> but before we get to okay. speakers, well, that's important, yeah. isn't it? We Come need on, that. <laughs> before we get to the speakers, do you have any tips for producing pads? So for me, um, things I always add to my pads. I like a lot of chorus, like flanger, um, mm-hmm. just modulating the LFOs here and there, like sort of on the end of phrases to keep it interesting. Um, and I like to stack up my pads as well and just mm. I think the way you EQ say your top and and stack the chorus on that top layer of that pad and then like filters that's just pretty much the three things I use the most is just things filter, to add movement the to the stereo image like chorus yeah, and flanging yeah. LFO movements okay yeah yeah and and even like um, I love the the Valhalla reverb and you know mm-hmm. you can just really crank that up and make your own pad out of like the tail of a pad and then export that tail and then i just i can even turn that into a chord itself sounds quite mm. like an important and piece so- of gear for your six items maybe <laughs> <laughs> who knows who knows <laughs> the music tech my forever studio podcast is supported by audion makers of the evo 16 and evo sba interface as well as the evo expanded system Yes, building on audience 25 years of design heritage, the Evo range of audio interfaces and preamps provides stacks of I.O. and professional-level audio performance alongside innovative new features like Smart Gain and Motion UI designed to make recording easy and to enable you to focus on the creative process. And all of that is without breaking the bank. Yes, multi-channel Smart Gain means you can dial in microphone gain automatically for up to 24 microphones at once, and all in less than 20 seconds. Great for drummers or full band recordings. That's right, the Evo 16 interface serves up a massive 24 ins and outs, including 8 preamps with Smart Gain, and each SP8 provides another 8 intelligent Evo preamps, advanced ADDA converter tech, and a versatile range of I.O. connectivity, including two JFET instrument inputs. The Evo SPA is designed to be the perfect partner for your existing audio interface and rounds out the Evo expanded system. Visit audient.com for more information and to explore the Evo expanded system. So, yeah. so far we've got mm. three epic synths and, uh, yeah, item number four. Okay. What are we going to go for? Item number four. Well, well, for my 
baselines, I would have to pick serum. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because most of my baselines have been made on that. and But it's not just good for baselines. You can actually use, you can make hi-hats out of that, kicks, percussions, risers, um, like white noise instruments, all mm. that kind of stuff. So I would get a lot out of that. But yeah, all my baselines, serum, love it. Nice. Have you found yourself being more drawn to serum for making drum sounds when, with the drum and bass versus... Yeah, yeah. So right. I had never used serum to make anything for my drums until I did drum and bass because I, I noticed with D&B, like, if I was to duplicate my drums, um, drums bus, and then I really high-passed that and I, I synced it to white noise and serum, it just added like that rhythm in white noise. And I was like, hang on a minute. If I stack this on the top layer of my drums, it just adds crunch. And and then that's how I was like, I can make a hi-hat out of this and I can make a shaker. Mm. And then it just stemmed like a whole new way of my working that I hadn't done before with like garage or house. Mm. How do you find that in terms of the, the control you can get as well with this style of production? Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, like, with the white noise just lfoing it and creating certain things and i just the control of how fast i can have it hit with certain sounds in the drums it's like and it's just so nerdy i could sit there for hours and play with a single bit of white noise and i'm so content (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean i could get lost in the vortex of that but yeah so serum is i love it serum is kind of well known in in drum bass for being a go-to tool i mean do you think they'll and mm. what what would we say it was before that maybe silent a little bit or maybe massive I guess before or massive yeah. uh, I yeah, just wonder when I use mm, massive because mm. it got to the point with massive where it felt like a lot of producers in that genre might have exhausted you get you you could tell often yeah. that it was massive yeah. and you can mm. kind of start telling yeah. now it's serum on things I think do you think oh yeah do you yeah. think there's always like people are always looking for what that next thing is I mean do you have any well. Um, yeah, so I started off using Massive and then I think it was 2016 I moved on to Serum and I thought yeah. I'd never leave Massive because it was, you know, <laughs> had everything I needed. But Serum, like, it was a lot more visual, visually clear with the LFOs and the envelopes for me than mm. what I found with Massive. But recently I've been using Vital, um, which is it's free, funny enough, and it's hmm. like it's like another serum and i think some of the sounds you can get out of vital have a much more beefier sound to it it's really powerful and lately i've been using that quite a lot okay and that's i mean i wouldn't say it can't replace serum but it's the closest thing that if i had to replace it it would be vital definitely a good tip though for people to check out especially if it's free yeah yeah exactly yeah i definitely recommend that nice okay that's a really cool synth. We did a few uh, tutorials at, on Music Tech a, a couple of years ago on, on Vital, and it's it's incredible. Created by um, a guy called Matt Titel, uh, who made uh, Helm. Yes, yeah, Do you remember yeah. Helm? Yeah, same guy. Hey, okay. But, um, nice. Yeah, another, another cool um, one. But yeah, good choice. So let's lock in Serum, and we're on to item number five. Two more items left. Mm. Oh, God, right. Well, I need some good headphones. Um, well, can I can I use headphones as well? As well as you haven't got anything to hear anything on at the moment. Oh, okay. Well, first off, we need speakers then, obviously. Um, yeah. Oh, I really like uh, the Focals. Um, 
I'm trying to think the exact ones that I mean. I the forgot twin which. Twin 6Bs or the SM9s? I think, yeah, they're, they're quite the big beefy ones, like the bigger SM, than these. Um, SM9s maybe. Yeah, I think I think it might be those. Yeah, mm-hmm. so my friend had these and, I mean, a lot of the people I look up to, they're always talking about these vocals and how great they are and the frequencies are just perfect. So I would definitely have those. Those are the most bombastic sort of vocals you can get right will without going to a big install i think without going to a giant monitor yeah sm9s um, they're the ones that you can separate you SM... can sort of turn the turn one yeah. bit off can't you this that's yeah they're the so ones i'm not sure be fine. not sure they make the sm9s anymore the sm6 is uh oh i see it's the range is the sm6 so then the trio 11b would be the biggest okay. of those um, but that's all within the same sort of family. Of, so do we um, want to go for the biggest, best one? Do you want to get upsold? Yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Only the best. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yes. So which ones were those? Sorry, Will, okay. the uh, uh, 6, 11? Trio, Trio 11B in the SM6 <sighs> range. names. Trio 11B. <laughs> I mean, they started well with Trio to give us something memorable. And then it's just all numbers mm. and letters. Like, they always do it with monitors. I hate it. It's Chris's pet peeve. Oh, really? Um, this is uh, the Munro <laughs> yeah. eggs were good because they looked like an egg, and they called them an egg. Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Don't give me like these are the focal seven seven three two one Xs. It's like who cares? Uh. Call them like these are the focal base destroyers. I I totally agree. Or base masters, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Base destroyers. <laughs> so. <laughs> But face melters. These are the focal face melters. <laughs> I want them already. Sound oh, better. a good selling point, and... yeah. I'd click on that. Yeah. Yeah, we want more click clickbait monitor titles, please. Manufacturers. <laughs> <laughs> What's your journey through monitoring been then? Do you want to talk us through um, what that's been for you? Well, um, because I've made most of my music on the go, it's kind of been... I've got so used to working like with headphones on trains or in cars so Mm. I've Mm. never like splashed out on the best of the best monitors purely because I know that I'm just not always home to like use it but so Mm. my first speakers I did get were can I guess oh god is it black and yellow yes is it the KRK rockets (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) no one wants to admit was your first interface the scarlet red interface as well Yes. Oh my god. Yes, it was. Oh, well, actually, Genius no, branding. no. The first I had was the the baby face. Oh, okay. Um, I've got oh, it in nice. my wardrobe actually. But you know what? I have still been using my scarf <laughs> just for convenience. Yeah. Because you know, just no. I, I mean, I, I have my UAD, but we, we are not dissing these items. It's just like I don't know. They just were great. They get the job done. And they were great at marketing this stuff, like red in face, yeah. yellow yeah. speakers. On you go. My first production studio. Exactly. It's just like McDonald's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 20 nugget meal. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, I can't. It, it gets the job done. And sometimes, like, it, I just need my audio to sound loud. It's yeah. not mm. going to make it sound the best. But And, and we can see you've got the Yamaha HS8s, are they? Or yeah, the HS5s? HS8s. So these were my first real upgrade, I think, 2016, where... I felt like, okay, I've got real professional monitors now. And so I've had these ever since. And then recently, I actually just got the Adam 
A3X just for, to sort of compare and because these um, Yamahas, they're very like sub heavy and I didn't like how you can't really say if it's like midnight and I want to crank it, I can't because mm. it's mm. going to piss my neighbor off. Um, with these, I can just sort of get my volume and it's not as like aggressive. It's just more for monitoring and not really for the perfect mix down. Mm. But like, and I like to just sort of like flick between the two. I mean, I have like six different things to compare my mixes on. Like wow. All my the phone test, the car test, all that sort of stuff. Do we want to give nicknames to the monitors instead of HS8s and A3Xs? Yamaha, what? Yam- Yamaha. Creamy coned doomsday. Yamaha, <laughs> basic bitch. Um. <laughs> Yamaha, basic bitches. <laughs> and then we got the Adam, hmm, Adam, plain Jane. I don't know. <laughs> We're working on it. Yeah, uh, we'll feel free, that. listeners, to to email us uh, at uh, editors at musictech.com with your suggestions for rebranding and renaming or monitoring on the market. Um, we would appreciate that. We'll we'll forward them on to Yamaha and, and Adam as yes. as the best ones we'll get through. Okay, so um, that leaves you with one more item, one more studio oh, item. Oh God. Um. Okay. Oh, that's so hard. I mean, I could think of three. Realistically, I mean, I love my roads. Um. It's always my go-to thing when I'm playing on the keys. Uh, I love Lounge mm. Lizard. Have okay. You... Don't it's fancy a... getting the new Rhodes Mark 8? Eight grand actual real Rhodes? Oh, uh, wow. Full yeah. analog? I mean, I should. Yes, I should be, actually. That's you a know, good it's up- upsell. Fully analog, mm-hmm. analog effects. Mm-hmm. Is it the Mark 8, Will? That it is. Talk? Yeah, it is the Mark 8. It's the new yeah. one. But the Lounge Lizard, because this is something very attainable for, for listeners as well. Yeah. What's... Tell well, us true. about the Lounge yeah. Lizard. What is that? Uh, lounge Lizard, it's just a basic Rhodes plug-in with a few variations oh, yeah, of yeah. stuff that you can really tweak. Um, mm. It's always been my go-to. It's a little bit like of um, a slept-on one. I don't feel like not everybody knows about that, but I still feel you get the richest Rhodes. In terms of like, you know, in built-in VST and whatnot. Um, it was one of the original like yeah. it's quite an old plugin, isn't it? Like the lounge yeah, lizard was. Yeah, yeah. I recognise it now. I see it. Yeah, but Ro- like... Rhodes themselves have just launched a plugin. Like Rhodes wow, actually okay. have a have a have their own plugin now. I think they launched it a few months ago. Maybe they launched it at Nam. Will I don't know. Well, that, I'm, I'm buying that tonight then. Um... But there is a, there is a, there is a Rhodes <laughs> plugin. I, I, haven't, yep. I haven't checked it out. I've checked out the actual hardware, the Mark Eight keyboard, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Like wow, really? Actually would prefer that over like getting a vintage 70s road and i know some people will be like you know 70s ones are yeah, the best get out of this <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, out of here the, the enthusiast of like you know that older sound and and i i could I see it's all preference isn't it yeah but lounge lizard yeah i remember i remember when it was launched it was it was a real step up in sort of the electric piano sounds because yeah did it have physical modeling or something or was it just really great sampling because it it sounded a lot better than a lot of romplers and libraries. That looks unreal. That yeah. roads. Yeah. Oh my god. I've been living under a rock. <laughs> Is this the physical hardware? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Mark Eight. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I've got to add that on the list then. Yes. Amazing. It's got it's oh, got so proper um, analog. I think it's got like analog drive and analog effects and oh, analog. It's yeah. All, I need yeah, that. It's quite the beast. Not cheap, but you know. It's a proper instrument. I've got this like big to buy list now because of you guys. <laughs> just, oh God! It's the upselling dreams, like like we'll just like, like we'll just sell. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. 
So why is it the roads then? Tell us about your your background with the roads. It's quite a garagey thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, mm. It, that's exactly where it. M J Cole style. Yeah, M J Cole sort of um, Booker T. You know all yep. those old mm-hmm. school speed garage with that sort of like edgy cord stabs. Um, that so my my interest sort of I was like, how do they make this sort of sound like these really skippy sort of things? And I was like, oh, it's literally just one note, and then. Obviously, this is my really early days of like learning really basic stuff. But yeah, that's really just, I will always gravitate towards that flangy, roady sort of sound. Um, mm. And yeah, MJ Cole being a massive inspiration. Uh, he just, that, I think he was actually one of the first producers that I listened to in terms of UKG. Just instantly fell mm. in love. And even early Artful Dodger, um, Steve Gurley, a lot, a lot of them. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's just he was a bit of a magician with the roads, and I think isn't he a yeah. classically trained or jazz keyboardist anyway? Yeah. MJ Cole, like so, I think all of that stuff is really him just sat at roads, yeah. banging out yeah. perfect stuff every time. He's so good. And you can just hear it in his music; like he knows what he's doing, and everything chord wise just works, and it's yeah. it's got like a system to it. And just had a bit more of a jazzier edge to it, didn't it? It had more yeah. like soulful jazz with that garage vibe rather than it being yeah, as yeah. aggressive. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so we'll lock in the roads, but now Will's going to talk you through the studio. So have, have sit back and have a listen, and then okay. we can make some changes if you want to, or we can then go on and think about your luxury item, which is something that isn't a piece of gear for the studio, but something luxury that you want in there. Uh, so have a think about that while Will... Oh, something luxury. Yeah, that isn't studio gear. So have a think about that while Will runs down the studio. So let's have a listen, Will. We're in Bali, by the sea. You're in a white-walled beach hut with the beach extending out in front of you. We have a Himalayan salt lamp, mood lighting with pink and orange lights. The desk is clear, nothing on the walls, just the sunset view. Your computer is a MacBook Pro. Your interface is Universal Audio Apollo Twin. Your DAW is Ableton 11 Suite, Till You Die. (laughs) Your six items. The first one is the Moog Subsequent 37. Item number two is the Korg M1, a nod to house. Your third item is the Waldorf Quantum for your pads. Item number four is Serum for bass and drum sound design. Your fifth item for monitoring, you've chosen the SM6 Trio 11B monitors. And your final item is the Rhodes Mark 8. How is that going to work for you, do you think? How's that sound? It's quite a lot of gear, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> for only six items, it, it feels weighty, doesn't it? It does. It's, yeah. a, it's a broad selection as well. It's quite masculine. Um, <laughs> mm, I mean, I feel like I want to change one. Okay, Can do I change it. one? Yeah, yep. of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, okay... Because uh, I want to add the Ableton push too. Mm. Oh, okay. Because okay. for me, that will just tie it up, and then I, I have that more. Um, if I, it's just more you using your hands more, aren't you? And just yeah. experimenting a bit more. Um, people that get on with that really get on with that, don't they? They like it's yeah. Quite phenomenal watching somebody use it it's when they're so when they're fully integrated. Yeah. Yeah, I've like literally been glued to it the last couple of weeks, even live looping. I mean, 
that's something that I've never tried before and I've just fallen in love with it. So I would I would add that in the list and I would take out um This is where it gets difficult. Oh God. <laughs> it's like Oh Choosing your children at this point. <laughs> Maybe the roads, only because Ooh. if I've got the other gear for the pads and the melodies and stuff, it's like You could probably craft some kind of rosy style sound with the Waldorf and some yeah. Ableton. And I've got the M one as well when it's Oh yeah, there'll be some oh. EPs there's roads in, the... in there. Okay. Yeah. Taking off the roads and we're adding Ableton push two. That's gonna break the hearts Beautiful. of all the team at Rhodes when they found out that, <laughs> that after t- after ten years of research and development, re- reinvented this hardware instrument. I know. I was I was doing so, so well. Do you know what? I think I think the sounds the road sounds in the M one will be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gutted. it. Save myself a bit there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ableton Push 2. Sorry, it's got to be done. Nice. Okay, we'll lock that in. So have you okay. recently just got into the into the push or have you been using yeah. it for a long time? Okay. I have only sort of, yeah, the last three weeks. Um, wow. It's just more like I've just been having ideas of like live looping and mm. something I've never done before. So, yeah, lately I've just been trying to learn it and I'm just realising like, there's so many functions. It's quite like a Rubik's cube, yeah, and it's, it's very complex, but but loving it. Nice, amazing. Okay, so. well, that takes us to the final luxury item. Now, this isn't a piece of studio gear. You're not allowed to have any more gear now. That's set. Um, but is there something else that you would love in the studio? And you know, you can go big here. It's it's fantasy. It doesn't even have to exist technically. We've had some wild answers on the show before, so. Gosh. What do you think would be nice in the studio? I mean, I would say a, a kitten and a bottle of Jack Daniels, but <laughs> that's two items. But uh, uh... I mean, um, I bet no one's ha- I no one's said that before. A kitten a, that never grows old. Just I know a, cat, a little chaotic cat that never grows old. I know. I just yeah. I mean, we, we, I would have my cats. Um, you're allowed to bring cats with you. Yeah, That's if you've okay. got you pets can bring and stuff, pets. You're not, you know, yeah. and pets and people, you know, it's a normal place. Oh, oh I'd have a, a massage chair. That's what I'd have. One of that those, is a good nice. choice. You know, those really big, expensive, like, Japanese massage chairs. They're like yeah. five grand and they're amazing. They, they're kind of like the next level of the ones they have in the airport. Yeah. But like the turbo version of that. Yeah, and you sit in them and they sort of like, they go back and you're almost like upside down and, and it's... Oh my god, I'd have that. And you kind of slot into it, don't you? Like yeah. they've got like it's got gaps for your legs and everything. You're yeah, like, yeah. And it's like got your arms and you're locked in, snowscape in there. I would have one of those. If if you were like really really rich, you would definitely have one of those. You would never leave the house. Oh, I know. Like they know. are kind of. Have you ever seen one, Will? I have. Yeah, they're, um, they're amazing, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> there's one. There's a company called Osaki. Okay. The Osaki OS Champ, according to uh, OS New York... Champ, it's called o- the OS Champ. OS Champ is, uh, according to New York Times, the closest thing you can get to a real massage. Oh wow! wow. There we go. How much is it? Last time I looked, I mean, I was a marketplace. Anything <laughs> <laughs> but you're looking on Facebook Marketplace, like near me. Listen, I love a bargain. <laughs> Is it, is it only me? It feels a bit weird getting a second-hand massage chair. It feels like... Ugh. I mean, realistically, I wouldn't. But I think I was just curious because I was just 
got impulsive with the idea of owning one. I mean, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm sure it's fine. You would buy a secondhand sofa or anything, but like, I don't know. It just feels like it's done stuff to people. No, you're right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like skin <laughs> particles, like trapped in the. Oh, it's just we like can... it was for somebody else, and like you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. No, you'd have to get that brand new. I mean, yeah. I'm getting um, 8K. They're going. 8K. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, Nipo. That doesn't look that comfortable, that one. That looks quite, like, medical. I mean, they are kind of medical devices, are they not? Okay. Well, yeah. I'm not anti this. I am I love this idea, by the way. I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> it would get me into the zen mode before I go and have a big Ableton binge. Yeah. Which makes no sense, but... <laughs> okay. Eight, an, eight, an 8K nice. massage chair. Do you want to put a sub pack into it oh, as well? Oh, that's a good is idea, there... isn't it? Oh, and some speakers. Yeah, just like sit there and. So I could sort mm. of test the mix down and see if it's if it's go good to go or not. Yeah, well, the sub pack's like a massage anyway. You know. Yeah. If, if the sub pack's not massaging you, the track ain't working. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've always said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aiming for the heart palpitation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's that's why I lost my job in that studio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, that that neatly and awkwardly brings us towards the end of the podcast. I feel, but like that's a great luxury item, though. We I don't think we've had a massage chair before, have we? It's well, fantastic. Yeah. I think we've had a masseuse before, though. But that all feels a bit creepy now, having like an actual person there. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. How does that dream studio sound to you? I think. Uh, are you asking me? Yeah, of course I'm asking you. Um, well, for me, that's that's where I want to be right now, if I could. That sounds amazing to me. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and then, you know, with the, the sunset, oh, my God, my massage chair, straight onto this, the Moog. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. nice. I'm ready to go. And there's a, there's a Rhodes in a skip outside as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rhodes. Uh, Fair enough. What's coming up for you now? Because um, we're mid-May at this point. What's what's happening the rest of the year? Have you got releases, live dates? What's yeah, happening? I do. Um, so I've got a lot of shows, a lot of festivals. I think I've got 24 festivals locked wow. in. Um, yeah, I've just wrapped up uh, a single that's coming out on Utopia, which is Jaguar's label, um, mm. if you're familiar with her. It's quite different, mm. this tune. It's it's a bit different to anything I've released previously. So this one's um, a bit like a speed garage, colourful sort of summer vibe with a vocalist by Paige Eliza. So that's just, just getting wrapped up. I'm nice. really, really excited about that. It's something I made in Bali and... Mm. It was it was just one of those expression tracks. Um, I'm also just wrapping up my next single for Hospital Records, which is a jungle, um, a jungle tune talking about cats. Actually, so <laughs> <laughs> typical to very flavoury. Um, again, not not anything I've released previously because uh, it's very very jungle inspired. This one, so really excited about that. And then got the Tikadi album coming out next month. So if you're not aware of TKD, it's myself, Royalty and DJQ. And then my Hospital Records album. So there's there's a lot going on Loads. that I'm sort of wow. multitasking all these different sounds. But... So cool that you get to switch genres, though. It must be make things yeah. much more... Because I know a lot of artists f- sometimes feel like they get typecast into a certain genre. And obviously, yeah. most yeah. producers are aware of lots of different styles. And then you kind of get known for this thing and you kind of... Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps because I've since my early days, I've kind of always like shape shifted yeah. a bit in what I do. So mm. people aren't as shocked when I do something different. And it, it's just my personality. I don't like sticking to one thing anyway. <laughs> do, your, do your DJ sets reflect that as well? Yeah, I would say so. Um, because I, I like to, to do more of a journey set if I can with the longer ones. And like, so now what I do, what I didn't do before is I would usually start on garage, sort of go through the BPMs and then I would end on DMB. Mm. And then I'm playing like my own productions as well. So it's it's interesting because when I go play now, I've got people in the crowd that want to hear my DMB, but then people want to hear my garage. So it's like I've got a couple audiences here to satisfy with my selection. Mm. But it's also like really great as well that yeah. people are still locked in. It makes your sets really exciting as well because nobody knows yeah. what's coming and like, you know, you can switch between these styles. And I guess yeah, it opens yeah. you up to loads of different venues and styles of festival as well. You're not just in this kind of yeah. another drum and bass festival yeah. or another garage festival or whatever you, yeah. Nice. Exactly. So which one are you most excited about? Which festival appearance? Um, oh, I'm looking forward to Glastonbury mm-hmm. as always, you know, such a great festival, but I'm really looking forward to Boomtown as well because nice. I played there a few years ago. And I was just blown away by the stage production mm-hmm. and the lighting. It it was just incredible. And the sound system as well. Like visually, I've, I haven't seen anything like that. It was just crazy. So yeah, excited to be back. Final question for me then. Who's your sort of hero that you haven't met yet in the music industry? Or who would you love to collaborate with? Or like, it's a cliche question, but actually quite interesting when you've got these different genres that you're... Oh, gosh. Um... You know what? I've never met Disclosure and I've always loved their stuff. You probably hear a lot of influence in what I've done um, mm. because they, they heavily influenced, like with their sort of 2011 sort of sounds back then with the garage. Um, I would love to collab with them. That nice. would be a dream. dream very similar in terms of they, they kind of hop around styles quite a little bit as mm. well, I think, like between different yeah, genres. Yeah. Um, nice. Excellent. What a great end to the podcast. Thank you so much, Flavor D. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, Will, another great episode. Some obvious choices at the start, but then it got pretty exciting. Yeah, we whistled through those first three and then we were really into it. Some fantastic choices there. Um, the Quantum, loved it, Serum, M1. We've only had that, I think, once before. Yeah. Um, and then, God, that luxury item. Yeah, we all want one of those, don't we? Yeah, but do you have eight? Do you have eight grand knocking about, Chris, to just get one of those? No, I don't. Incredible. I don't have that, and I would like. I, if I did have that, I probably wouldn't buy a massage chair. But uh, yeah, that would be. It'd be nice. Just nice. sipping a, a pina colada, looking out over the sunset, and spilling Bali. it all over yourself <laughs> as it vibrates you. I don't know. I don't know about eating or drinking in it. It might be a bit horrific. But I think <laughs> I am up for trying. <laughs> Never let it be said. <laughs> You're not up for trying things, yeah. Chris. Yeah, it's on the bucket list now. Drink margarita from robot massage chair. Okay. Another another addition to this very another long b- list of weird things. Do you know what number one on my list is, Will? What's that? Having a bath on an aeroplane. Shut up. Is that even... A th- that's not even a thing, is it? It's on the list. <laughs> Somebody make it happen. I wish I was a famous enough influencer to, be, to think that by me even mentioning it on this podcast that I will get an email... From British oh Airways God. saying, Chris, we'd love to make your dreams come true. We just want you to tweet about it. Anyway, I love the idea also that you might 
they might cancel that flight if there's any turbulence expected. Because that would be... It could go from dream to nightmare very quickly, I feel. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed really hard there because I just pictured myself in a bath with turbulence. Going, ah, God! <laughs> with bubbles and water splashing everywhere and trying to get out and slipping. And just realize, what's going on? And you're live streaming the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... And then you come out to find the pilot in the ba- in the other bathroom in the bath, and you're like, "What's going? <laughs> Who's flying this thing?" <laughs> anyway, <That's> luxury. <laughs> I think all that's left to say now, Will, is uh... <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> all that's left to say is thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time for another adventure into Studio Foreverdom. Bye bye. Uh, goodbye.